the Lord always gives us what we need when we need it at that moment. And I, I think this is a moment that's unique uh, to, to the U.S. church, to the global church, that um, it is a real sign of sacrifice. It's a sign of fortitude. It's a sign of courage. It's a sign of, you know, being bold. Uh, but extraordinary humility, balancing all of that stuff out that the Father meant to His men and His examples meant to all of us in this moment of darkness. And none of us uh, really that, that probably are listening have had to endure anything close to what the, the men that were serving with Father Capon and he himself endured. My name is Joe Ferris, and I want to personally welcome you to the foxhole. Man, do we have a great holy conversation today. You get to hear straight from Jason Cyril, a guy who's been behind the scenes doing a tremendous amount of work for Capon's men, for the Capon's men retreat, and for the homecoming of Father Capon back to the Diocese of Wichita. I appreciate all he's done, and I know he uh, is going to share with you some stuff you didn't see coming, some interesting things and some unique things, and he's going to even invite you to be part of the process um, wherever you might be, whether it's online, whether it's on television, watch on EWTN, or potentially if you can safely travel, uh, whether it's in person. But I want you just to enjoy this podcast episode, enjoy the opportunities you have to hear Jason talk about uh, a ton of different stuff from a lot of different angles, clearly from a man who deeply loves Jesus. So let's pray together. In the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Jesus, I love you. I thank you for this day. I thank you for Capon's men. I thank you, God, for all the priests in the Diocese of Wichita and all the priests and bishops everywhere, Lord. I pray, God, for, for them as they navigate our church through these trying times. And I ask through the intercession of Father Capon, Lord, that you just help us to grow in virtue, to grow closer to Jesus, to, to Jesus' sacred heart. I ask these things, Lord, through the sacred heart of Jesus and the immaculate heart of Mary. Amen. Welcome to the Foxhole, Jason Cyril. Hey, thanks, Joe. Good to be with you. It is always fun to have the big cheese on the foxhole. And this is the second time, maybe the third time you've been on the foxhole um, amongst every time you do a, an intro or an exit. So I'm especially excited because where we are at this point as Father Capon and really all of Wichita, Kansas, Kansas prepares to welcome him home. So I'm going to not give you much time to even take a breath. And I'm just going to say to you, Jason, talk to us a little bit about where you were when you got the news, what your immediate kind of uh, feelings were, and then how you have kind of seen that ball move through the Diocese of Wichita and really through the country since that moment. Yeah, thanks. Um, where where was I? Um, well, I distinctly remember uh, I was working on an, another project and uh, Scott Carter, who our director for Capons Men, who works with me real closely in the team, uh, heads up a lot of our efforts. Uh, he called twice and texted me and the, the text was, give me a call kind of like now. And, uh, I, I was unable to break away from what I was doing at the time and, uh, reach back out to him, 
that evening um, of March 4th and uh, we are able to connect and lo and behold, Scott drops this news and I, I can't even describe, you know, what that felt like, maybe surreal disbelief, uh, you, wow, you know, and then the questions started coming. And, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, it was kind of interesting too, um, just the, the initial feeling around that was, well, what does this mean? Uh, what's, you know, what's this mean in terms of the canonization efforts? You know, what's going to happen? How's this going to look? And of course, at that time, nobody had time to process any of this yet, really. Um, but a real sense of excitement and wanting to share it and, you know, reach out and tell people. But, um, you know, that it, it really it wasn't Capen's men's news to to go uh, you know, share with everybody. It was, it's the family and the department of defense and the department of defense was going to have a press conference the the very next morning early. So, um, you know, we kind of kept the lid on it for, for a, a little bit, but then all of a sudden it, uh, it was very apparent that some other people who had heard about it, uh, won't, won't name them, but, um, on the political side, they, you know, they had already started tweeting about it and like, Hey, the cat's out of the bag here. And, and Joe, I called you, if you'll recall. And I think you had some of the same sort of, what's this mean? Uh, you know, and, and at that point we were able to start sharing it a little bit more widely and, 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 you know, within the Capons Men organization. And then uh, it, it was pretty neat. You know, we, we, I think, embargoed the story a little bit and let the appropriately the DOD and, and everybody have that announcement and, um, and what that meant. So, it, you know, it was, a, it was a great feeling of really relief and uh, a newness and uh, comfort, um, you know, in, in this time of uncertainty that we we've lived in here for a, a pretty long time. And I, I think this element of just uh, of getting to share in that news with all of our brothers from Capon's Men, our families uh, around Capon's Men, and uh, w- was really one of the big joys of that first, you know, day or two of that news and, and getting to, you know, uh, talk a little bit about that. So, you know, since that moment, the second half of your question, really kind of the, the ball getting rolling on it, um, you know, I, I think my role here at Capon's Men and, and all the work I've done with the Diocese of Wichita in a volunteer capacity for, you know, many, many years. Um, very humbled to get to be a part of the, the group that is helping to repatriate this wonderful example, this, you know, soon to be saint, uh, uh, his repatriation. And, you know, to our knowledge, we've, we've only been able to do this two times for Medal of Honor recipients who, uh, you know, the Medal of Honor recipients, the 3,508 of them in our nation's history, you know, they're, they're either, they were alive when they received the honor, or they posthumously received the honor. Um, but, you know, they're, if it's posthumously, that they, they generally means that they were, uh, you know, killed in, in, in their service to our nation. And, um, you know, their, their bodies were recovered from the battlefield, but you just don't see this often at all. Um, it's very rare to see somebody recovered and being able to have that dignified transfer of their mortal remains back home. 
Um, so to our knowledge, I think it's only the second time it's happened. Certainly the first and, and only time for a chaplain that's received this honor uh, is he's only um, he and and Father Vince Capadano or the Medal of Honor recipients, Catholic uh, chaplains that have received the the medal for their heroism and valor. So it's just, it's super rare air and to get to help work on that and all the little details around that with the, with both the family and the diocese of Wichita, it's just, uh, it's tremendously humbling to, to get to be a part of that process and, and help out in any way that we can as Capon's men get to represent, you know, our team uh, in that conversation. Yeah, I think with you, Jason, you're you're almost stoic in that you've done a lot of big stuff in the business world and probably been in some pretty high pressure personal situations in the world. I think we both accepted the information like I'm screaming at the mountaintop, jumping around. I think you're always kind of a planner and a, how do we make this work and how do we fit in? But so there's likely people listening that had either my reaction, which is yell and scream, let's go to the ties mountaintop and and then people that received it like you that, that probably thought probably more almost a thoughtful approach, like what does this mean to me? And I'd love for you to speak to that, the man who maybe can't make the, the homecoming, can't go to the funeral, can't be part of it, but who looks at this and goes, well, Jason, I understand this is kind of unique in history and unique for military guys, but what, why should I be excited, interested, engaged, or even connected to this as a Catholic, not as a military person, but what, what does that bring up in you when we talk about homecoming and in this particular instance, Father Capon? Yeah, so there's a, there's a lot in that question, Joe. And, and the first part I, I'll, I'll address real quick, kind of on the, the the planning side that, you know, my, my head went there right away, right? And it's uh, a little bit of, okay, process systems, you know, what needs to happen? How do we, you know... Capon's men, our, our job is to spread his story. And, and Bishop Kemi, God bless his leadership on our diocese uh, a while back, years ago when we got going. And we update him regularly with our work. And he's just been a huge supporter of our work. He, he told us, hey, guys, continue to tell Father Capon's story. You, you do it well. And in all humility, that's kind of where my head was originally. We've got all this content, you and I and, and several others, you know, the, all the Capons men throughout the, the U.S. and beyond have been working on telling Father's story. In essence, that's what we do uh, through various channels and, and the work that we've done. So, you know, how does all of that integrate into this unique moment in time here? So there's this process piece that my head immediately went to on kind of design, build, figure this out from a process standpoint. But the second part of your question was really, hey, what's that mean to me as, you know, as a Catholic? And what's that mean to me as, as you know, Jason Searle? And what's that mean to us as, you know, as a nation? So kind of the prongs of that, you know, uh, that I just laid out right there, what, you know, what's that mean to me? Uh, you know, I'll start with Jason Searle. That, you know, my my family, I'm married to Chrissy. She's a 1988 graduate of Cape and Mount Carmel. Um, she's the baby of her family and she's got a brother that graduated in 90, a sister, or sorry, in 86, uh, a sister that graduated in 84 and a brother that graduated in 82. Um, so four of them from Cape and Mount Carmel, you know, his namesake high school, which I really didn't know anything about until I moved to the Diocese of Wichita back in 1993. Uh, 90, 
yeah, I guess it was 93 that, that I moved here. Um, and as I learned that story and then we made our family and our lives here in, in the diocese of Wichita and, and being a cradle Catholic and, you know, having gone to Catholic schools and, and, uh, being a person that has, has tried and, and not always successfully to, you know, to try and live by these precepts and, and integrate faith in, into our life and our family. And we've had five kids that, uh, have gone through Cape and Mount Carmel. All our friendships are kind of based around, you know, our church here, uh, in the diocese and our stewardship way of life. And, uh, you know, this, this tremendous, kind of anchor uh, that is our faith and rooted in our Catholic institutions that educated our five kids that all graduated from uh, Cape and Mount Carmel. Um, so kind of this relation relationship to the story and to father's story and learning more of it through time, just uh, being around what I'd call the, the Cape and orbit and, and having those, uh, those, those moments and the stories. And I, I remember early on here and I can't, can't tell you cite the exact year, but I was at an event at Cape and Mount Carmel uh, prior to my kids being there for sure. Um, uh, where we had some of the POWs present at a dinner and got to, you know, meet several of the guys uh, years and years ago and learning more about the story and then reading the books, you know, Shepherd in Combat Boots uh, by Shepherd and, and, uh, or sorry, I think that was uh, William Marr. And then, uh, you know, Monsignor Tony's book, uh, The Story of Father of Chaplain Capon and, and others, um, just learning about him and learning his story through the eyes of others, the POWs in particular. There's this there's this piece of respect and this piece of admiration um, that I've always had, you know, in particular for the United States military and those who serve us. My father was a, a you know, a veteran of, of the United States Army. My brother served in the U.S. Army, uh, still serves today uh, at Homeland Security in a different capacity. But um, th there's a connection to this story in so many ways. Um, but really his example of manhood and his example of what it means to be a leader and in, in striving to be integrate some of those elements that, that I'd heard through these stories through years and uh, who I am and, and how I operate. Uh, you know, that, that was really important to me. So personally, but you know, the, the last piece of your question, you know, what's that mean to, to a Catholic person out there, uh, man or woman? Um, I I'd say this, you know, just, just like all the saints, Joe, and, and you and I have talked about this and our teams have talked about this many, many times. I think one of the things that in, in our formation that we could do a better job at, um, and this isn't a knock on anything. This is just kind of our own shortcomings and, and some places probably have this a lot better than others, but this whole idea of the communion of saints and that we're all called to be saints and that through, learning about the saints and actually developing a friendship with the saints, uh, it's possible, you know, they, they don't have to, uh, you know, be walking the earth right amongst us, uh, in, in the way that, you know, say you and I have a friendship or, uh, you and other, uh, people in, in your orbit have friendships, you know, they're, they're physically there with you. You're doing life together. Well, you, you know, I've, I've, 
I'm a big, as, as you cited often, uh, a big fan of St. Ignatius and his contemplative framework of prayer that he's given us and meditating on the different scenes from the Gospels and, and placing yourself into these stories and what would it have sounded like, smelled like, been like to be there. Um, I, th- I think the saints have that to offer us if we read about them and commune with them and learn from them. They can teach us today in our everyday lives. And uh that is really kind of, I think, how I've thought about Father Capon through time is uh, through my readings in particular, uh, fantastic books written by, you know, these guys that were there in the Korean War that served, you know, uh, that were captured in battle. Um, you know, I, I think uh, Colonel Bill Richardson comes to mind and his book, The Valleys of Death. The, any good book is, is kind of like the uh, St. Ignatius Spiritual Exercise is a really good book. will place you in that scene. It's almost like watching a movie. And I, th- I think you can think, you know, how would I have been? What would I have uh, acted like and everything? Uh, what, you know, how would I have reacted? Do, do I have the courage these guys did, all of them? Uh, you know, how, how would that have looked? And I think that's how I've approached the saints and in particular Father Capon as I've learned that story is, you know, what what does he have to teach me? And it's it's really weird. You think about him and, and you know, he was in his mid thirties uh, when, when all of this befell him. And we, you know, you and I, Joe, we both just hit 50 this year. And uh, so it's, it's kind of hard to look back at him and, and say, wow, he's, he was a lot younger than you and I are today when this happened, but he's still this giant in terms of his stature and this giant in terms of his example and especially around fortitude. And, you know, I, I think like uh, Father Lancer said weeks ago, marching forth, uh, I always kind of wonder, do, do I have that? Have I shown that? Can I strive towards that? And so if, if you're a Catholic person out there, you know, especially kind of under our model, Capon's Man, I think there's a lot there around uh, learning, you know, learning his story. And, and again, there's a lot to learn about him. And this is a wonderful, wonderful time to dig deeper into his story uh, through the various elements that are out there, whether it's our content at Capon's Men, the podcast that we've been delivering, you know, 75, 80 episodes of it, our, our four video series, but all these other books and resources. And then, you know, lo and behold, the, the national news, you know, Matt Vayner on our team, uh, our comms guy here at the Diocese of Wichita, he's tracking the amount of hits and everything that we've got in terms of press impressions, you know, just as part of his daily work that he does for everything out there. Uh, now we've got this whole story of Father Capon's homecoming that um, that's out there. There's just a wealth of information uh, that's this wonderful opportunity for us in our diocese to reach that, you know, ordinary Catholic out there who may not be connected, may not be from the state of Kansas, who may not have this story that can learn from the saint. I guess that would be kind of my hope for that Catholic person that's out there is here's an example of somebody that's really a contemporary. Yeah. That, you know, it's 70 years ago that, uh, that he was lost, uh, in, in the prisoner of war camp that he gave his life to us, but it's still very much a, a modern day story that, you know, those of us that are, uh, you know, our age right now, and even a little bit younger, we, we can absolutely relate to that. That's not somebody 500 years ago or a thousand years ago, um, that we have to go 
dig deep into. This is really something that happened that we're going to get to participate into. And that, that would be my sign of encouragement. If, you know, if nothing else, Father Capon wanted to bring all of his men uh, that he accompanied. He wanted to bring them closer to God and, and the saints have a wonderful way of doing that for us. So I'd use this as an opportunity to go learn more about his story, about his example in particular. And, you know, I think he'd be the first to encourage everybody to, to go learn about, uh, in, in, he, he would he wouldn't say this because he was so humble, but uh, you know we would say it this way: learn about his the rare air that he's in. You know the the fellow saints that are out there, and develop friendships with with them, men and women that have influenced our church and our faith life, that have given us so much fruit uh, that that we're supposed to be the beneficiaries of. And then how do we you know take take the seeds and the fruit that they've planted and pass that on to the next generation? So. Um, that's how I'd encourage, you know, the, the everyday Catholic that's out there that may not be familiar as familiar with the story as some of us that are, you know, as connected to it as we are through circumstance to participate in this in really a wonderful way. I think, Jason, you're speaking to my heart, right? I'm not from Wichita. I'm not from Kansas. I'm not from the Diocese of Wichita. Um, but boy, do I love Father Capon. I love the story. I love what it's done and meant to me. So I, I want to switch gears a little bit with you and just ask you, Jason, uh, you, you, you brought up St. Ignatius. You know, I tease you a little bit about the Jesuit stuff, and you have children that have been in Catholic schools and colleges all over the country. So what would you say? I understand I'm asking you your opinion on this, but why now? Why not 20 years ago and why not 20 years from now? Why in this moment in history um, is this homecoming, I think, so important? And I think, you know, you clearly are going to speak to it from Wichita because where you are. But the fact of the matter is this is a homecoming for the church in the United States as we're bringing him home. And I think it's a, a lesson for someone listening in North Carolina or in Texas or in uh, Alabama or Florida or, or Kansas. So what, what would you say to them? as to why you think at this moment in history, God has chosen for this all to be unfolding really in live time right in front of us. So that's a great question, Joe. And, and, you know, I would answer that this way. And, and I think it's, it's somewhat of a generic answer. And then I'm going to go a little tangent and I'm going to promote a concept that our mutual friend, Cale Crope has given to, to us. I think that there's, you have to be, be first of all, a believer in God's providence in, in our lives. And, and I think that the Lord always gives us what we need when we need it at that moment. And I, I think this is a moment that's unique uh, to, to the U.S. church, to the global church, that um, it is a real sign of sacrifice. It's a sign of fortitude. It's a sign of courage. It's a sign of, you know, being bold. Uh, but extraordinary humility, balancing all of that stuff out that, that Father meant to his men and his examples meant to all of us in this moment of darkness. And none of us uh, really that, that probably are listening have had to endure anything close to what the, the men that were serving with Father Capon and he himself endured um, in a very sacrificial way to one another, uh, to the to man in their foxholes that were right next to them, to, to their brothers in arms. 
and, and many of them given this ultimate sacrifice, we, we haven't had to make those kind of sacrifices at all. And we look at this pandemic and everything that we've gone through, and it's taken uh, a tremendous toll on the world. It's, you know, a lot of lives lost, et cetera, um, that, that leave us with a sense of wondering and, and why and, and unanswered questions. But, you know, I, I look back and ha- luckily have, you know, came out of this side of the pandemic, uh, you know, pretty well off. And, you know, I didn't lose anybody uh, personally in my family. We had a friend that was, you know, that we lost. Um, and, but, but I look at this thing and I say, you know, look, his, his example and, and his courage. And uh, there's a lesson in there about what, what did we endure? And yeah, I had to stand in line at the grocery store. I couldn't go to mass for, you know, several weeks when we were shut down, I had some inconveniences and they, they were scary. I don't mean to discount any of that, but um, you know, it, it was a disruption. What these guys had to give was so much more. And I think that lesson right now at this moment is necessary that there are those who gave so much more than us in so many ways that uh, some of the fabric of who we are, you know, here speaking locally uh, as, as a nation, some of that fabric's been torn apart through a lot of events that have been pretty serious, the pandemic being one of them, some of the, the issues around race relations and things that have come to the forefront of the conversation here in in the U.S., uh, you know, a lot of things that the, that the political sphere kind of struggles with um, that are these big, big questions um, that, that really occupy a lot of our bandwidth and we burn a lot of calories thinking about, we kind of get in the weeds and, you know, we get in these fights with each other. Um, and there, there's been a lot of polarization here that's happened, but at this moment, you know, here we find 70 years later when no one that's been involved in in this ever thought this was going to happen. And here, you know, here we get this news that here's this example of hope that endured real suffering, real struggle and everything. It kind of puts some of this into perspective for me right now. And again, with, with God's providence, I think, uh, you know, I don't know that God's a, a ledger God that keeps the the scorecard of, you know, you did good here, you did bad there, that kind of thing. But he's kind of given us an opportunity to unite and to uh, rally both as, you know, a church and a faith community and, and people with disagreements on maybe how things should work. But this is something everybody can celebrate regardless of all that political noise and, and real, you know, loss that the pandemic's caused, et cetera. There's a moment of unity that, you know, really is what the church is about. And I think that that moment in time is providential. And, and I said, I was going to talk about Kale for a second. He, you know, he, he worked really, really hard on his uh, Quo Vadis project. And, you know, one of his premises is, is why, you know, why did, the Lord and his divine providence pick that time to enter into, you know, the manifestation of Jesus Christ at that point in time and where he did. And, uh, you know, his, his premise and his concepts really cool. And it kind of rewired me. It was, you know, that was at the, at the time Rome 
ruled most of the world. Jerusalem was a, a Roman province and, uh, you know, the Holy Land and all of that was, you know, one of its outposts. But the, the Romans were super good at building infrastructure, roads, sewage, utilities, all of the things that kind of advanced society in so many ways. And that, that was a moment where, you know, you literally had for the first time roads that you could travel easily. And, you know, when you when you have uh, the incarnation happen, Jesus Christ and his, uh, the, the, the folks that men and women he put around him, uh, there was infrastructure for them to go spread the good news. And, um, you know, prior to that would have been a pretty, you know, pretty tough environment, not, not say that it wasn't tough enough, but almost, almost impossible in a lot of ways for the good news to spread the way that it did. So I, I kind of look at that right now through that same lens that Kale helped dial me in on as he explained, you know, the Quo Vadis project to me and everything that he worked on that, yeah, this is the moment there's, there's this mechanism and, uh, uh, through our resources that we've developed uh, as a as a society and everything to go tell this story on a on a level that couldn't have been told 50 years ago and we, we just had our friend father matt palakowski read the saturday evening post by my, mike dow and you know that that reached readership you know many many years decades ago when that was published that it, it only reached a readership of X because that's all the, you know, the reach that it had at, at the time. And, and now we have this really global infinite reach to tell this story. And uh, Ray was just a uh, Ray Capon was just over in South Korea receiving uh, the highest uh, honor on his uncle's behalf that, that can be bestowed. It, it's effectively their, their medal of honor. Uh, and they gave that general Douglas MacArthur has, has been a recipient of that honor. And, you know, here just a couple of weeks ago, father Capon receives that honor as well. And this story is, it, it's a global story and it's, it's a story for our time that we need right now. So I think there's certainly um, a huge hand of God in this providentially that this is why now. And, and uh, I make sense of it because I, I think, yeah, we can use some good news to rally around and his example is timeless. So Jason, time is going to get away from me, but I do, I want everyone listening to know that the funeral itself is going to be on EWTN and it's going to be live streamed and folks can jump in and can see that if they can't be there in person. And I encourage people to, to take part uh, in wherever they are as best they can, because I think it's a big deal for the church of the United States. Jason, I want to give you an opportunity. You've been on, I think all of the Capons men retreats. And I know that there is another one coming up and we generally don't timestamp the podcast heavily, but I do think it's important for folks to be invited and maybe just from your perspective, why would it be important this year for someone to make travel plans to come to Wichita to spend a day with Capon's men and to potentially enter into a, a retreat where they're given some special opportunities? Yeah, let me let me take that real quick. Thanks for the question. And, and I would tell you, uh, I'm going to answer this in a way maybe you don't expect, but uh f- First and foremost, uh, I'd, I'd tell anybody that's considering traveling uh, first, because what, what comes first is the uh, Vesper service and the funeral itself uh, here in September. Uh, travel travel if you feel safe, and, and your safety should be most important. I think Father Capon would uh, agree that he'd want us to be safe and, and uh, prudent and judicious about that. 
But I think on the flip side of that, he'd also say, hey, let's go, um, not to honor him at all, but to honor uh, the his, his fellow POWs, some of whom will come to the, the Vespers and the funeral service here, um, to pay tribute to them that, you know, do that in a way that's safe and, but, but let's go, you know, we don't know how long this pandemic's going to be hanging over us. Uh, I watched a, a little bit of college football this weekend and every stadium that you saw was completely packed. So there's a little bit of America that's saying, Hey, let's go. And same thing with the U S open tennis last night, in New York, they're, you know, they're packed and, uh, but you know, do it safely, everybody and come celebrate and pay tribute, uh, and honor to father Capen and his fellow POWs and his sacrifice as for the retreat, the same, the same applies, you know, um, we'd, we'd love to have you, um, a little kind of clarification that all credit to the Pittsburgh guys, to, to Joe Delasega, Michael Elaine, uh, you know, Brandon Brill, all the guys down there and, and the list goes on and on. There's just a whole bunch of them that got this movement started. And I missed the first retreat because I didn't know what Capen's men was. And uh, it, it wasn't until 2014 when we started working on the, the first video series, the virtue series where Joe kind of tapped me and said, Hey, would you help out uh, in these efforts? And that's when I got involved. So I've been at the second one and, and all of the ones following and each one is really unique when we pick a theme and we uh, they've, they've all just been beautiful. And, and I think the, for, uh, you know, the fraternity and accompaniment with our priests that have blessed us with their presence and the opportunity to really accompany those guys. And we've had them on several times. You know, Father Lansrith is is a giant to us. Father John Hotz, he's just a giant to us. Bishop Kemi, uh, you know, Father David Leith. We, we've had a lot of our clergy that has, um, you know, Father Chad Arnold, you know, guys that are supportive of our efforts and they're, they accompany us on these retreats. They're with us, um, in our foxholes. And, you know, that, that's why I would say, Hey, uh, come, come to this. If you can't make this one, uh, you know, we understand. And, and I, I really don't want to promote it just to, pr- to promote our retreat, but you will, you will get a chance to, uh, spend some time with father Capen, um, to, you know, reverently pray along his tomb with, uh, with your brothers from Capen's men. And every retreat just has this great theme. And I I love the work that Nick has done. Nick Del Sega uh, leading our retreat team, uh, putting together this year being home and that whole theme. And there's just something beautiful about, you know, I I grew up in Illinois and whether I'm flying into O'Hare or I cross the Mississippi river, cause I'm doing it in a car. Uh, when I just get to my state, um, there's something about being home and where you grew up that is comforting. Uh, you know, there, there's, there's, we all have issues too. (laughs) Like, Hey, it's, it's not always all good all the time. There's everybody's got their baggage or whatever, but there's something about home and, and it's, it's uh, memories, uh, it's mess, and, uh, you know, all of the things that kind of where you grew up and where you're from and where your roots were planted, uh, where they grew. I think that, that that is just beautiful, and there's a comfort in that bringing Father home at this time that, that the, you know, the nation gets to celebrate in, the state of Kansas gets to celebrate in that, you know, the Pilsen community um, and the Diocese of Wichita gets to celebrate in and then Capon's men as well, that we get to celebrate with one another and all this work that we've been at, you know, for, for 
closing in on a decade here. You know, we've been at it for about eight, nine years uh, that the Pittsburgh guys have been at this thing and all the great work that they've done and everybody's done to get us here. So I, I think in a lot of ways, just this retreat, Joe, will be a celebration and uh, a, a moment we've never experienced. So if you can get here, please do do it safely. But if you can't do it this year, uh, come next year. We always have, you know, this is what we do. Um, our kind of cornerstone of who we are is tell Father Capen's story. We've done a lot of original content to help share his story. But uh, the one thing you can count on is a is a lights out world class retreat with the priests of the Diocese of Wichita and a bunch of great guys that are sharing in their stories of accompanying one another as we do life together. So love to have everybody come. So there you have it, folks. You can go to EWTN, the day of the funeral, go to capencomeshome.com for info on the funeral. And I think if you go to uh, capensmen.com, you can find information about the retreat. Great invitation, great conversation, Jason. Always fun to talk to you. I'm going to ask you, if you don't mind, Jason, pray us off the podcast um, and we will uh, move from there. Thanks, Joe. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus, uh, we thank you for your many, many blessings, and especially this moment in time here, this providential moment where you have seen uh, to Father Capon's uh, uh, founding and his mortal remains being discovered here and placed in in the stewardship and care of the stakeholders to, to bring him home. We thank you for all the military uh, members who have uh, served with Father Capon and gone before us, who have served us and kept us free and uh, helped to give wonderful examples to us. We ask that you bless those efforts for a safe homecoming for Father's mortal remains. We ask you to bless his family. Uh, we ask you to bless everybody. Uh, that will be beneficiaries of his lesson and that we take the example of Father Capon, that we make friends with these saints and that we live a life worthy of being called Christians in your son's name, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. That friendship with the saints is something that's so beautiful about our Catholic faith. And how much more of an opportunity we'll have to grow that friendship with Father Capon's remains coming home. The challenge this week, though, doesn't require those remains present. Jason mentioned the Ignatian spiritual practice of meditating by placing ourselves in a particular scene. Usually this is from the Bible, but it works really well with the lives of the saints, too. So the challenge is to pick a scene from Father Capon's life and spend some time really placing yourself in it and ask for Father Capon's help to draw you into his spirit of faith, courage, hope, and charity. And if you can't think of a scene, well, then your task is to learn more by going to fathercapon.org. And as Joe mentioned, we will be live streaming the Vigil and Funeral Liturgies for Father Capon September 28th and 29th. And you can find the links and more info at capencomeshome.org. That's all we've got for you today. Stay tuned for more great Father Capon Comes Home episodes. And until next time, may Father Capon pray for all of us. We can surely expect that in our own lives there will come a time when we must make a choice between being loyal to the true faith or of giving allegiance to something else which is either opposed to or not in alliance with our faith. O God, we ask of Thee to give us the courage to be ever faithful to Thee Blessed are they who suffer persecution for justice' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. May the blessing of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit 
descend upon all of you. Amen.